Next on Making Sense of the Madness, sudden adult death syndrome continues to ravage vaccinated populations worldwide, and illegal immigrants are dropped off on Kamala Harris's and Barack Obama's doorsteps. One pastor is standing strong against government overreach, and an ingenious activist is empowering citizens to push back against supranational organizations. We're going to question the mainstream narrative and expose media propaganda. But first, an AMP alert. Welcome to American Media Periscope. This is AMP Alert. My name is Josh Reed of redpills.tv and a correspondent here at American Media Periscope. We're talking to you about the news and breaking events that are happening throughout the week. My Pillows, Mike Lindell's phone has been confiscated by the FBI. Now, this brings up other types of indications that potentially the FBI has opened FISA warrants on Donald Trump, which means that they are spying on Donald Trump and his associates once again. 40 other people were included in this type of raid associated with Donald Trump. Moving on, we have John Durham. He goes ahead and unseals a motion in the Igor Dushenko trial, which starts next month. This motion is a bombshell. If you want to know if patriots are acting and moving, well, they are, and we find it out right here. If you remember Devin Nunes and Chuck Grasley many, many years ago uncovered that Igor Dushenko was the informant utilized for the Steele dossier. Once they figured that out, this is what happened, and this is what John Durham just uncovered, that Igor Dushenko became a confidential informant after after Nunes and Gras Grasley uncovered his name, which means that they went to cover up him as a confidential informant so that they could not research or investigate his name and that his matters on him would be classified and sealed. This is a major breakthrough because it shows 100% that the FBI knew that Igor Dushenko was not a Russian spy, but instead working directly for the FBI and absolutely full of garbage on all of his claims, which laid claim to the Steele dossier, which we know was 100% accurate. Stay tuned and updated for more AMP alerts as they come by. Well, in all the royal ceremonies of the past century, a royal guard has never fallen flat on his face. And that is until the royal guard was vaccinated with the clot shot. And a young army officer who set records for physical fitness has died suddenly during an army fitness routine. And new data has come out that the, the jab also causes organ recipients to reject transplants. Let's watch. Well, tonight's Health Spotlight, emerging new research shows a growing number of transplant recipients are suddenly rejecting their new organ. Scientists say the COVID vaccine could be to blame. Joining us now to explain is Wish TV's medical reporter, Dr. Mary Gillis. Mary. Alexis, Phil, according to a new study published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, acute corneal allografts are being rejected by immunized patients who've undergone the procedure. Researchers say the underlying cause could be tied to a systematic inflammatory response elicited by the shot. 
The cornea is the outermost layer of your eye. Corneoglyphs are used to restore vision, reduce eye pain, and improve the appearance of a damaged cornea. The surgery is known to be one of the most successful transplant procedures with low rejection rates. Japanese researchers compiled data from 23 studies, a total of 23 eyes from 21 patients who had undergone corneal graft procedures were assessed. Graft rejection occurred anywhere from one day to six weeks after vaccination in all patients, some who underwent the procedure as far back as 20 years ago. In the paper, study authors write, as the virus continues to spread, additional booster COVID-19 vaccines are expected. Therefore, proper follow-up of corneal allograft recipients and interventions to prevent corneal allograft rejection after they receive the COVID-19 vaccine may be crucial. Among the list of emerging complications linked to the vaccine are blood clots, heart inflammation, and Guillain-Barre syndrome. Reporting from the newsroom, I wish TV's reporter, Dr. Mary Gillis. That's a long list of complications. Maybe that's why the country of Denmark has banned citizens 50 and younger from even getting the COVID vaccine. But it won't officially say it's because the risks outweigh the benefits. Well, Rand Paul forced Fauci to watch a throwback to when he was spouting real science. This is priceless. Take a look. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she if, she get re- it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it's, the be- it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. This is an ongoing question, and, you know, we've had ever-evolving opinions from you, Dr. Fauci. Currently, antibody surveys show that uh, 80% of children, approximately 80% of children, have had COVID, and yet there are no guidelines coming from you or anybody in the government to take into account their naturally acquired immunity. You seem quite certain of yourself in 2004, but in 2022, there's a lot less certainty. Well, it looks like uh, Fauci is going to have to answer to his past, and we're going to keep on throwing it in his face. But in Maine, a school actually owes a parent $40,000 because they tried to stop them from attending school board meetings. And I think a lot of parents are going to take a tip from this, and they'll end up suing school boards as well if they try to uh, stop them from exercising their right to freedom of speech and freedom to assemble. Speaking of school board meetings, this Democrat politician says that parents who stand up to the woke agenda are like the J6 insurrectionists. Let's watch. Um, January 6, 2021 will never be forgotten. An infamous day in American history. MAGA Republicans descended upon the Capitol, engaged in an insurrection. Uh, They occupied the Capitol. Five people were killed. Hundreds injured, including hundreds of Capitol Hill police officers, attacked and bludgeoned. Um, uh, It was uh, a day that we'll never forget. And people on the local level uh, at affected school board meetings, they won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings uh, after January 6th. It's those ultra-MAGA Republicans, how they just descend and occupy, even though there haven't been any parents that are accused of domestic terrorism. Officially, they're certainly treated that way. Well, in Russia, Vladimir Putin's car was hit in an assassination attempt. He was not injured. 
But there were several arrests that were made in the incident just after, and this follows the president of Ukraine recently being slightly injured in a car accident. It looks like two mafia bosses have hits out against each other. Well, one middle school teacher was able to harass female students with impunity and bragged about it regularly, but students complained nothing ever happened. So a group of young boys decided to record each incident in an online Discord forum. Now the teacher is being laid off and sued, and the incidents recorded by the students may be used in a court of law. I just say, way to go, kids. You know, this is a great nonviolent way to combat sexual harassment. When the adults and the administration won't do anything, definitely record what's going on in the classroom. Well, several parents in Florida want to chemically castrate their own kids, and they want the government to pay for it. But Governor Ron DeSantis is not having it on his watch. Let's take a look. I'm Forrest Saunders at the Capitol. Transgender Floridians are suing the state after it removed gender dysphoria treatments from its Medicaid program. Attorneys filed that lawsuit in federal court Wednesday morning, alleging that the change is discriminatory and will impact thousands. Four transgender Floridians are bringing this legal challenge. That includes two children represented by parents like Jade Ledoux. Our son, he's a 12-year-old boy. He'll be 13 soon. Losing coverage for a transgender child's hormone blockers, she says, is already creating an uncertain future for her family. If it's something we couldn't afford, we'd have to look to possibly moving out of state. And that's just not something we want to do. The state cut treatments like puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and sex reassignment surgeries from Medicaid after an in-house report found, quote, insufficient evidence of effectiveness and safety. That conflicts with big-name advocates like the AMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics, who say treatments reduce gender dysphoria and improve mental health. In their legal filing, attorneys are alleging the change is discriminatory and a violation of equal protection under the 14th Amendment, among other claims. They're seeking an injunction to block the rule and restore coverage. This is a a 180 for Florida uh, and is particularly troubling because they've been covering this care without issue in their Medicaid program for years. In a statement, Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration rejected the lawsuit, saying, quote, these partisan-motivated organizations seem to be so blinded by their own political agenda that they ignore the evidence found in our thorough rulemaking process and in the ACA report that preceded it. The comments echo tweets by Florida Surgeon General Joe Latipo, who often claims treatments are, quote, based on flawed data and regularly posts testimonials against them. Despite feeling better in the short term, in the long term, taking testosterone would have profoundly damaged me. Latipo is also pushing Florida's Board of Medicine to adopt treatment restrictions for minors, which is under consideration but would likely face a legal challenge as well. The next step here will be a response from attorneys representing Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration. Once we have that, then it'll likely be to the courtroom here in Tallahassee, which has been very busy this year as a lot of Florida's new policies have been brought into legal scrutiny. That's the latest out here at the Capitol. I'm Forrest Saunders reporting. That's right. Just a little mainstream media spin for you about how parents want to chemically castrate and mutilate their own children and have the government pay for it. It looks like those days are over thanks to Governor Ron DeSantis and that great uh, AG and great uh, Surgeon General there in Florida. Well, Twitter whistleblower says the Chinese foreign agents had an open door to Twitter's system in bombshell testimony. Let's watch. The Twitter whistleblower has been testifying on Capitol Hill this morning. Conor McShane has been listening in. What are they, uh, what are they saying? What's he saying, well, Conor? There's a lot being said, Stuart. I mean, for example, at least one Chinese agent was said to be working inside of Twitter. Senator Chuck Grassley says the whistleblower was told about that. 
about a week before he was fired by the company earlier this year. Peter Zatko is this guy's name, the uh, former Twitter executive. He goes by the online handle Mudge. That's what everybody calls him, Mudge. So I suppose we will for our purposes as well. And the timing of his testimony is fascinating. He's here on the very same day in which Twitter shareholders are voting on the $44 billion offer by Elon Musk to take over the company, the same offer that Musk is currently trying to get out of. Now, big picture, what Mudge has been telling members of the Senate Judiciary Committee today is that Twitter executives over and over again prioritize profits over security. So much so, he says, they don't even know what data they have. The employees then have to have too much access to too much data and to too many systems. You can think of it this way, which is it doesn't matter who has keys if you don't have any locks on the doors. Now, Mudge says that led to some concern internally at the company that maybe the Chinese government would be able to collect data on users. But when he brought it up, he says he was told nothing would be done because Twitter didn't want to lose the revenue stream with Chinese companies advertising on its platform. Now, in terms of an actual foreign agent infiltrating the company, there's this. I'm reminded of one conversation with an executive when I said, I am confident that we have a foreign agent. And their response was, well, since we already have one, what does it matter if we have more? Let's keep growing the office. Well, Twitter's stock price today has been down with the rest of the market. We'll, we'll have much more on this in the days and weeks and months to come. I mean, we should know the results of the shareholder vote sometime this afternoon. And then Elon Musk and Twitter are going to go to battle in court in October. Now, speaking of Musk, Stuart, as I go back to you, I think a lot of people are wondering, was he watching today's hearing? We just noticed a tweet that Musk himself put out within the last hour. It's a popcorn emoji on his Twitter account. That's it. One other note. He's not named Elon Musk on Twitter anymore. His name now, Naughtiest Maximus. So make of that what you will. Interesting how Fox News tries to paint Elon Musk and the whistleblower as immature and not having credibility because of their nicknames and constantly using that nickname Mudge, despite the fact that actually that piece showed a lot of important data about how important it is that we have cybersecurity. One of the top cybersecurity experts in the world that they continually refer to as Mudge actually just blew the whistle on a major deep state platform. While busloads of migrants have been dropped off in D.C., this time right in front of Kamala Harris's house. Let's take a look. We've had a jam-packed show of breaking news. We want to go back to one of those stories. Two buses full of illegal migrants arrived this morning from Del Rio, Texas, all dropped off in Washington right in front of Vice President Kamala Harris's D.C. doorstep. Uh, there is the buses arriving. They were largely adult men, some children as well, coming off of those buses. That's right. And Governor Ron DeSantis is also shipping migrants to sanctuary states, this time to the island of the elites where Barack Obama has a house, Martha's Vineyard. Let's watch. Dozens of migrants are waking up in Martha's Vineyard. They were flown to Boston on Wednesday as part of Florida's relocation program. In a statement, Governor DeSantis says states like Massachusetts will, quote, better facilitate the care of these individuals through their designation as sanctuary states. Uh, you got to hand it to Ron DeSantis. He is a master troll. Well, as if we haven't had enough shutdowns recently, now passenger and freight trains may be grinding to a halt this week if an agreement isn't made with train workers. This could have a huge effect. It's important that we bring this up, but that is it for the breaking news. 
We do have a great guest coming up here. We've got Pastor Craig Hagen will teach us about how pastors and parishioners can avoid government outreach as soon as we get back. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliotphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit kirkelliotphd.com. Pastor Craig Hagen is the founder of Preserve USA. Pastor, so great to have you with us. Can you explain the purpose of Preserve USA and why you started it? Well, Preserve USA is a super PAC that I started as a pastor um, to help men and women run for office to have what we call the America First agenda. You know, it's so sad that we want to put other countries like Ukraine um, and Mexico above um, uh, you know, the America First um, agenda. And so um, I got heavily involved in politics. I know people kind of get mad at me because they're saying separation of church and state, but really separation of church and state meant keep the state out of the church's business. And so I felt a call to find men and women to run for office. And so I started a super PAC, um, preserveusa.org. You can go there. Um, and, um, you know, we, we are raising money. We, I've been able to help a little bit. I started in, in in April, so I helped a little bit. A couple of, of the of the um, um, primary elections, and then we have we have a couple other folks. In fact, I, I just vetted um, the uh, over in Alabama, the seventh district. Um, we it's it's been a Democrat stronghold forever, and we have a lady named B Nichols that has a chance to overturn that in the House, and we're pretty excited about that. And so, you know. We're just a grassroots effort. We're just trying to raise money. And, you know, we would appreciate it if you want to donate. Um, right now, like I said, um, I just started it. So, I'm, I'm, you know, finances are, are really low. But but um, our goal is to have $2 million by the by 2024 um, election and, um, you know, really to do something to help America. Because I feel as a pastor, we should be involved in the political process. So what kind of candidates are you looking for? What's the vetting process like? Well, prim primarily my, myself being a Christian, we, we believe in finding Christian conservatives that, um, you know, that are involved in, um, in the political process. I mean, you know, we, we think that Christians should get involved, everything from school board, city council, um, you know, mayor, um, um, state legislature, and all these different events. And so, um, you know, we have, you know, we talk to these people because, you know, there are some good Christian people that 
don't know, I mean, know nothing about this political process. And so, um, you know, the deal is, is, is we believe that number one, you know, we should put God first. Number two, America, um, you know, well, I guess it'll be second. And then the state of, of whatever I say to Oklahoma here. And, um, you know, we, we also are looking for candidates that are willing to fight back against government overreach because it's interesting because it seems that our constitution doesn't matter in the 21st century, but our constitution does matter. And the framework of the constitution um, talks about that we should be able to worship God as we please. We should be able to, to have our first amendment right to speak out you know, the way we think. And we shouldn't have to have our device taken, taken us from us at a Hardee's. You know, we should be able to go to Hardee's with, without the fear of the FBI messing with our, our area. You're, you're talking about, uh, Mike, you know, Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell. <laughs> going to Hardee's and, yeah. and the FBI surrounds him with cars and demands his cell phone. This is the type of yes. uh, fascist uh, kind of uh, environment we're dealing with here. So you're looking for Christian conservatives, people who are active in the political process. What levels of government are we talking about here? Local, state, federal, all three? Well, yeah, all three. Uh, actually, I started out with, with a federal super PAC. Um, Jackson Lawmeyer, unfortunately, he did not win. He was running for um, U.S. Senate state of Oklahoma, where I, where I live. Started with him. We helped in a couple of Senate race and um, um, Jan Morgan in Arkansas and um, 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 Colonel um, Conrad Reynolds, also in Arkansas, running for for um, U.S. House District One, I believe, in Arkansas. And um Help a little bit, a couple other races. And so we started out in the federal level. Now we're kind of moving to the state level. We have a few um, house races here in Oklahoma. You know, right now the money is limited. So basically if someone, um, you know, emails me or calls me and says, hey, can you help out this candidate? Then that's who I'm helping out. So but right now we're concentrating on the federal races because I have a federal super PAC. And so, you know, obviously have to do all all the, the FEC, you know, things and you can look it up, you know, you might as well, since I spent a lot of time filling out these reports. And so go ahead and look it up. Right. Tell me about, uh, you know, what you learn, because even when you lose a race, there's a process of learning. So next time you can do even better. And tell me about the resources you, you, you uh, put towards these races. Are we talking about ad spends, like putting commercials on TV? What kinds of things are you doing to help candidates? Well, um, this this cycle pretty much it was television ads because like it was late in the game i mean um i got brought on in arkansas after that they were already starting early early voting and i mean i was like like a week and a half before the election and so the only thing i could i couldn't really get any mailers out um we got you know some tv ads out basically comparing and contrasting um, our candidates. Done a lot of digital ads, but I did learn a lot in, in, in the races. And like you said, even when you lose, you learn a lot. And I found out that um, one of the biggest voting blocks, at least for, as far as Republicans, I'm assuming probably Democrats as well, is the over 65 population. Um, my wife actually um, works the Tulsa County Election Board, you know, here works the races, and she's ha has been able to tell me who's been coming in, who's not been coming in. And so, you know, one of my tips that I've never thought about, and one of one of my friends told me, says, you know what, Craig, one of the the people that, that get um, annoyed the most is nursing homes and um, retirement, you know, communities. Um, but those people vote. And, um, you know, so next race, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to 
tell my candidates, hey, you need to find out these retirement communities, these nursing homes, you know, because these people are, are, are concerned for their grandchildren. Um, um, one of my good friends, um, General Michael Flynn, you know, basically says, you know what, I'm in this fight for my grandchildren. It's not about me. You know, it's not about my life. It's about my grandchildren. You know, and unfortunately, our grandchildren don't understand all this government overreach. I mean, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're just trying to play Xbox or whatever they're doing. And, um, you know, we're fighting for them. And um, it, I, I'm concerned, you know, just to see the news, you know, that's happened this week, all the different things. In fact, um, I'm going to throw this out here because I hear, heard it yesterday talking about the the um, the jab. You know, the new jab that's supposed to help with the, the newer variant, supposedly, they've only tested it on eight mice. No human beings, just eight mice, according to what I heard in an interview. I mean, that's scary. They and, and they're trying to inject our children with an untested jab. And obviously, we've seen the effects that are going on. You guys are doing an awesome job and reporting on, on all of the, the different things going on. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's another thing. Government overreach over our bodies. I mean, I never in a million years thought that the government would, would tell me what I could or couldn't put in my bodies. Um, but I, I guess I also never thought in a million years that a book like 1984 would come to pass in my lifetime. And if that big brother, if you ever read that book, 1984, I had to read it as a high school, high school, um, I think of my freshman year of high school. And it's crazy to see what's going on, um, you know, in the world around or about us. Well, I think it's important that people like you who are leaders, you may be a spiritual leader, maybe an educational leader in your community, but you decided to step up and get involved in politics. And it's because you're trying to stand up for those conservative Christian values. And it sounds like medical freedom is really important to you as well. And so when you vet these candidates and you get these uh, Christians involved and you help them, you're, you're pushing forward things that are going to affect your community and other communities and the next generation. So thank you, Pastor Craig Hagan, for doing what you do. Really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us. Everyone go to his website, help support the Super PAC as well. And so next up, we are going to talk to James Raguski. He has some ingenious ways we can fight back against supranational organizations as soon as we get back. Inflation is out of control. The price of gasoline has doubled in a very short time and interest rates are set to rise. How do you protect and grow your portfolio to make sure that you do not outlive your assets? Invest in annuities that have rate lock. Rate lock is an innovative new feature that allows you to lock in your rate of return at any time during the year to lock in these volatile upswings of the market. And unlike CDs and money market accounts, they accumulate tax deferred and can participate in the upside of market indexes. And they're probate free and they can provide income that you can't outlive. With all the different companies, features, indexes, and benefits which annuities offer, it can be confusing to choose which annuity is best for your unique situation. Let a company you can trust help you select a rate lock annuity that's right for you. Add an annuity to your retirement portfolio and start enjoying the many benefits that smart investors love. Call the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. That's the Cleveland Insurance Group at 844-USA-2024. The Cleveland Insurance Group, 844-USA-2024. Well, James Raguski is an author and researcher who focuses on how global citizens can push back supranational organizations with their power grabs. James, what is your latest effort in this regard? 
Well, the timing of this couldn't be any better because on um, 6 p.m. Eastern time, Friday the 16th, will be the deadline by when um, people around the world, uh, from now until then, will be able to uh, go to screwthewho.com, which is a website that I've put together to explain all of this to people, to make a public comment via video about what the WHO is doing. Now, that begs the question, what are they doing? To learn about that, you can go to stopthewho.com. And what that talks about is today, the 15th, is the deadline by which the WHO has instructed all of the delegates, every, of, every one of the 194 nations around the world have delegates to the WHO. They've been instructed, and today is the deadline, for them to put forth each nation's proposals for what they are calling a pandemic treaty. Now, what this is, is the WHO's attempted power grab, which would enable the WHO to have legally binding authority over health, and they use the phrase one health, which is not just human health, it's also um, domestic animal health, like the health of your pets, uh, farm animals, wild animals, plants, agricultural. They, they pretty much want to use a what they call a whole of government, whole of society, one health, global governance. Quite frankly, they want to take over every aspect of life on the planet. And so until 6 p.m. Eastern uh, on Friday the 16th, everyone in the world is encouraged to go to screwthewho.com. It'll guide you in terms of how you can um, submit your 90-second comment. Uh, and my phone number is right there on the website. People can call me because everybody has questions about this because, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's been a very, very well-kept secret. And do you think this is truly legally binding, or is this just one of their tactics to try to have the appearance of lawfulness? I mean, how can a sovereign country give up a sovereignty like that? Well, as an example, in 2003, the WHO and all of the member nations did exactly this same type of process. Uh, in 2003, they passed what they called a, a global framework for the control of tobacco products. And most likely nobody's ever heard of that. Um, that's a legally binding international instrument. And what happened back then was at the time, President George W. Bush signed the United States into it and never bothered to ask the Senate. Okay, so a lot of times people will say to me, oh, Jim, you know, there's no chance that the Senate is going to approve, you know, this pandemic treaty. There are actually, I, I believe it was Senator Ron Johnson has a bill, uh, you know, in, in the Senate uh, that, you know, no such treaties, you know, can, can come into force uh, un unless the Senate um, uh, has their advice and consent. But I'm here to tell everybody in the world that, you know, they've figured out workarounds. Now, in terms of the amendments to the international health regulations, you had me on a couple of months ago um, saying very similar things because back then they were trying, the Biden administration had proposed amendments to international regulations that could have become you know, internationally legally binding. Uh, but because of efforts such as yourself, you know, we made a little bit of sense out of the madness that was going on back in April and, and May. People around the world learned about it, and it went down to an absolutely crushing defeat. And, and so 
they were unable to change international law and give sovereignty away from the countries and the people to the dictator general of the WHO. But that doesn't mean they stopped trying. And so they're back at it again on a second track, not just the pandemic treaty, but also amendments to existing regulations. So the international health regulations exist. They've been in place for decades. In addition to that, they're trying to negotiate a treaty and they've asked for comment about that. And I encourage everybody to, you know, take the time to speak their mind. And some people have spoken their minds and they've recorded videos, submitted them to you, submitted them to the who, and some of them have been uh, quite entertaining. Tell me about those. Well, you know, um, I put the call out and asked people, you know, to be aware of this. Now, the WHO is doing something that I think is just absolutely egregiously horrible. It's supposed to be a public comment, right? In April, they accepted uh, written comments so people could just type whatever they felt and send it in. They got 36,000 comments in less than six days. And they actually admitted that the majority of those comments were, we don't want the WHO to have more power. We don't want a pandemic treaty. And their response was to cancel the public comment period that was scheduled for June. Okay. This time around, they realized, because I actually got to speak at their live event, you know, via Zoom, and, and a number of other people did, and, and they realized that if they have live public comment, they're going to get people saying things that they don't want to hear. So if you want to say directly to the WHO things that they may not want to hear, um, you go to screwthewho.com. It's very clear on the webpage. And like I said, you can contact me and, and ask any questions. But what they did this time is they made it very difficult and confusing. They didn't have uh, they could have easily had a little tutorial video, which I made for people so that they can understand, um, you know, a little bit about how the technology works. You know, the vast majority of the world, you know, does not enjoy Internet access. So, you know, a good portion of the population um, has no idea that this is even happening because all they ever did was make a little change on their website. And if I hadn't, you know, really started talking about it, nobody in the world would know. And 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 so. In addition to that, even though the WHO is obligated to uh, express everything that they do in six languages that are supported by the United Nations, the pathway in and the pages that would tell you that this is even happening is only in English. Well, you know, that's fine for me and, and you, we speak English, but, you know, the vast majority of the world does not. And, and so, you know, this might as well not even exist. This opportunity for public comment might not even exist. Now, I asked many people, there are, I, I won't name names, I won't drop names. You can go to screwthewho.com and see several dozen 90 second videos that many people have submitted. And um, it's a great way to raise your own awareness of why this is an issue. Listen to what some very thoughtful, intelligent people have had to say and realize that you have the opportunity to express your opinion, your feelings about it. And since they will be ending their, meaning the WHO will be ending their acceptance of people's comments um, Friday the 16th at 6 p.m. Eastern, um, if you miss that deadline, um, submit it to screwthewho.com and we'll publish it so that all of the world can see 
what your opinion is, and you can see what everybody else's opinions are. The WHO has clearly said that, um, and, and one thing people should be aware of, they will ask you to hold up to the camera for 10 seconds your identification card, whether it's a driver's license, a passport, or you know maybe a work ID card. And you know many people, that sets them back you know, wait a minute, why do they want to see my identification card? What are they going to do with that? And it's a, it's a psychological operation to scare people away who most likely would have an opinion that the WHO doesn't want to hear. And so long after they stop accepting comment from people, um, I'm going to keep letting people say whatever they want, 90 seconds or longer, whatever it is you want to say, and we'll post it up publicly so that people can um, see what everyone else in the world thinks. So you probably got a diverse, uh, diverse types of deliveries of these 90 second videos. Some people were probably calm and intellectual and other people were probably incensed and emotional. Can you describe that? Um, I have been absolutely impressed by the thoughtful, well-informed, um, incensed is you, you can see it underneath, but people have been controlled, right? And one of, maybe one of the reasons is, you know, we, we let people know that on one level, this is a little bit of a trap that the WHO has set because if you're holding up your ID and then you start saying things that are, you know, overly aggressive, you know, that's evidence that could go to officials and, you know, possibly next time you're at Hardee's, you'll have a problem. Okay. And so the um, idea that I tried to put forth to people is um, all of the information is available on the websites that we mentioned earlier, learn what is going on and realize that your delegates from the United States and from uh, all the other member nations are, as we speak, sending forth proposals to change international law, ostensibly to give the WHO powers that we the people and, and nations enjoy currently to be in control. You're showing some of the many you know, faces, people from all the world, all, all walks of life, um, have expressed an opinion that they basically do not want a, a one world health organization to have control over their lives. Health is an individual thing that you deal with, your health practitioner, and, and, and your decisions should not be made by some bureaucrat in Geneva who's never treated a patient, has no idea um, and, and it's just expressing, you know, their desire to control every aspect of life on Earth. I think there's a, a, an instinct from people when they see some type of bureaucrat from another part of the world, it's just to ignore it. And yet when we do that, we're not really empowering ourselves. So you're actually encouraging people to use these democratic processes and get involved and engage and, and use that against uh, the supranational Organizations, it's not just the World Health Organization that's power grabbing, it's other organizations. We're going to talk about that as soon as we get back. Hello, this is John Michael Chambers. Private health, public matters. Dancing with death. As some of you may be aware, I fell hard due to the results of the biological weapon 
come to be known as COVID-19. I am a COVID long hauler and a recipient of the transmitting of or shedding of the spike proteins and graphene oxide from those that were vaxxed. This has been a long journey for me and with the suppressed and broadly unknown technologies I have discovered that I am still to this day dancing with death. In this series, I will go over detection, treatment, and the restoring of good health. I will reveal my personal medical information and findings along with Chris Edelkamp and various medical professionals. Why? Because I believe there may be millions of people who can benefit from my experience of which I, through these suppressed technologies, have discovered that I am far from out of the woods. In fact, I am dancing with death as I speak. I can assure you this series, each Wednesday beginning September 28th with James Grunvig on Unrestricted Truths is a must-view series. It's really a public service at the expense of revealing my private health in great detail. I thought I'd better get this out to the people while I can. Please do join me beginning Wednesday, September 28th on Unrestricted Truths at 8 p.m. Eastern with James Grunvig on American Media Periscope. Follow us at ampnews.us. I thank you for supporting and sharing our programming Although the casualties of our war are many, we are at a tipping point, and we are in fact winning. Know this, victory is ours. I want to thank you all so very much, and God bless you. We're talking to James Raguski, he's an author and researcher. Focusing on the who, stopping the who, stopthewho.com, screwthewho.com. These are some of his websites where he educates and engages uh, citizen activists. So it's not just the who. I know the who is important. We have a medical, global medical takeover <laughs> happening and has happened. Uh, but what other organizations should people be aware of? Well, you know, the WHO is just a part of the United Nations, and, and that is just an octopus with tentacles that go everywhere. Um, you know, behind what's going on with the WHO, you know, people have heard of the World Economic Forum. And, and so actually the bigger issue on, on one way of looking at it is that what the WHO is doing with this pandemic treaty is setting up what they call a convention framework or a framework convention. And in many ways, the wording is super general and, 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 and very confusing. And what it's doing is it's setting up a guideline whereby the young global leaders that have infiltrated local governments, whether national, state, county, you know, city, all, all the way down into school boards, and you know, people thinking in lockstep with you know, the dictates of, of the WHO, which please realize, people, the WHO, under their Article 23, uh, has the power to make recommendations. And, and so what has happened is they're, they're busy making recommendations all the time. Just yesterday, they put forth a, a six point, you know, set of proposals for the, you know, COVID, uh, pandemic. I've even seen WHO, um, social distancing and mask wearing recommendations in an email that I received that was a notification that a package had been delivered to a pickup point. And the WHO is in that email telling me, you know, oh, you might want to wear a mask. You might want to do this, that, and the other. Their tentacles and their reach go everywhere. And so the danger 
is actually that people need to pay attention on a local basis. Um, states like California, you know, are, are passing laws that are just absolute abominations where they're, they're crafting legislation that it'll say something like, you know, whereas it has been proved, proven that the, um, jabs are safe and effective and you, and you scratch your head and you go, how can they be enacting laws that are legalizing falsehoods? And then if a doctor tries to speak the truth against that, they can come before a, a medical board and so forth. Laws in New York, which are nearly identical to laws in, in, I should say, I should say, um, unconstitutional regulations promulgated by health ministers in New York and in South Africa, where, you know, these power mad um, people who have a position of a little bit of power just unilaterally rewrite regulations that, you know, would purport to give them the authority to lock people up and perform testing and actually, you know, give injections and medications. Um, we have to realize that the WHO is the head of the octopus and the tentacles are going everywhere and your local officials are essentially following the lead that is, you know, in this uh, negotiations for the pandemic treaty and the amendments. And they're enacting rules and regulations that are grossly unconstitutional. And we need to pay attention on a local basis, elect people who are aware of this, you know, contact any candidate that you feel um, you know, would be supportive of, you know, your belief structure and tell them to go to screw the who and make a 90 second or longer public statement so that you can see where they stand. Because if they get into office and they fall for the hypnosis that the WHO, you know, has any authority whatsoever, then, you know, they're going to end up doing the same thing that the people in power are doing right now. I think it is a hypnosis because you pointed out that it's really just that they make suggestions. They're, they're not actually forcing anyone to do anything. And yet these suggestions are so powerful. And it's funny the word suggestion is used in hypnosis. Uh, but yeah, when you watch a video on YouTube, right under it will be a warning and it'll say, well, according to the World Health Organization, this is the real truth. So don't pay attention to what the video you just watched. They do the same thing with the CDC, of course. But interesting how the the World Health Organization will contradict itself or contradict the CDC at any given moment. So these suggestions are all over the place. Have you been tracking that? Oh, it's it's ubiquitous. You're absolutely right. And and so um, if anybody you know has looked into you know just how propaganda works and and how the subconscious mind works, um, the first time somebody hears something it's generally likely to be accepted. And then you hear it again and again and again and again and again. And, and then when the truth shows up, you know, you're already filled. Your head is filled with things that, you know, are generally, you know, really good propaganda is a little tiny bit of truth, right? So you, you go, okay, well, that sounds good. And then all of the other stuff, you know, comes in. It's very, very difficult. I believe it was Mark Twain who said something to the effect of, you know, it's much easier to dupe somebody and trick them into believing a falsehood than it is to get them to admit that they have been tricked. And so what we're dealing with, with the pandemic treaty and the um, amendments to the international regulations, it, there's actually a blessing because for the most part, uh, the average person, when they hear about this for the first time, they're like, 
I, I have no idea. I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is because the propaganda about this is just now getting cranked up. And so if people go to, you know, stop the who.com and, and learn what the WHO is doing and they go to screw to who.com to see what other people have had to say, um, you'll get opinions from regular people about what they think about the, what the WHO is doing. And then when you look at the propaganda coming out of the WHO, there won't be room for that propaganda because you'll be like, oh, you know, I already learned, you know, they say one health, they say equity. Okay. And just if we have a moment to define what they call equity, right? Equity, equality, people get it mixed up. Their version of equity is they're trying to convince the more uh, poor nations of the world that they have been treated unfairly because they have not gotten their fair share of these poisonous jabs. And so their delegates are actually arguing that more money and more resources and more manufacturing capacity and more jabs you know, should be um, given to Africa and Southeast Asia and, and everywhere else in the world that, you know, maybe didn't get two, three, four, five boosters. But when you look at, you know, the results, um, COVID was not, you know, anywhere near the catastrophe in the nations that, you know, were treated with a lack of equity. They didn't get all of these forced jabs and they're much better off for it. And so the confusing way they turn words around um, if you get it straight first from people who are going to speak, you know, their minds and, and tell you what they believe after having done a lot of research, then you're going to be, I hate to use the word, but immunized um, against the propaganda. If you know the truth, the propaganda bounces right off and you see it for what it is. Well, we need true immunity. We don't need this fake immunity. So I think that's a good word. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to find out how you, someone who is doing a lot of research on your own ended up becoming a thought leader in the subject as soon as we get back. We're talking to James Raguski, author and researcher. So James, your article on this subject went somewhat viral, is that correct? And, and you really have been able to reach a lot more people in, in, in the recent months. Can you describe what happened? Well, you know, I'm going to have to give credit to the hand of God because back in January, um, I was working in my yard and I was feeling pretty good. And I've done this a few times in my life and I, I did it again. I, I literally stopped and, and prayed out into the universe. I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm here to volunteer. If there's anything that you want me to do, God, I'll do it. And long story made very, very short. Um, I was able to um, be made aware of a document that the Biden administration had submitted to the WHO, I, I, I was able to see what it was purporting to uh, proposing to do. And, 
you know, a shiver went down my spine because I realized it, it was essentially a founding document of, you know, a one world government takeover, transferring sovereignty from every nation to the WHO and specifically what I call the dictator general. And so um, I basically read really boring documents in the Federal Register and on the World Health Organization website and, you know, all, all these different things, because there are always nuggets of truth in there that they hide underneath, you know, a haystack worth of words, you, you can find the needle. And, you know, thankfully, you know, folks like yourself, allow me to come on and shed some light on what they're doing, because they generally always tell us what they plan to do. Okay. And so they've very clearly laid out a schedule by which they want to change international law so that they have the power and the authority and not us. And if we're sleepwalking through, you know, the next couple of months, our delegates to the WHO who are in a daze and hypnotized by, you know, all of this confusing language, um, are likely to agree to just hand over the keys to the kingdom. And, and so what happened in April and May is people's, you know, on shows like yourself, uh, they saw what was happening. And anybody who goes to StopTheWho.com or ScrewTheWho.com and does a little bit, they're going to go, oh, no way. You know, I've got I've to spread the word. And so step number one is to just raise people's awareness. So anybody who's watching this now knows a little bit about what's going on. They know that they have until 6 p.m. on Eastern Time, Friday the 16th, to speak their mind, you know, 90 seconds, give a public comment to the WHO. And if for whatever reason um, that is, you know, not something that you're at the moment comfortable doing and, and that opportunity passes you by or you watch this and it's too late, um, I've set up a facility where people can submit their videos. I've set up a facility where people can make a phone call and just do a voicemail recorded uh, comment if you want. You can certainly go into the comment section and say whatever the heck it is you want to say. And obviously, ideally, um, most everybody has a cell phone or a digital camera of, of some sort. Videotape yourself saying whatever it is you want to say for as long as you want to say it. None of this fake, you know, 90 second thing from the WHO. The internet, you know, has unlimited storage capacity. You can create a video saying whatever it is you want, post it up on whatever platform. You know, YouTube may or may not allow you to say what you want to say. So there are other platforms, you know, Rumble, BitChute, and all those. Put it wherever it is you want to put it and come back to the comment section and, and post the link. And I'll add your video into the article so the whole world can see what you had to say because the WHO has actually clearly stated that they're going to basically curate, cherry pick the videos that are submitted. They're gonna compile only 240 minute and a half um, videos into a two, three hour for a total of six hours that they're going to present at their meeting uh, on the 29th and 30th of September. So think about that. 240 people get to say something out of the entire world. Okay. They believe that that is transparency, that that is equity, that that is openness, and that, and that that is some form of democracy. Okay. It, it's an unbelievable sham. It's a charade. And we need to call the WHO out on 
you know, it's really not difficult to set it up so that, you know, everyone could have a platform to say whatever they wanted to say, written, spoken, or, or you know, audiovisual. Um, and they have the billions of dollars worth of resources to do that. I'm doing it. I'm just one guy. Okay. They certainly could have done something like that. They refuse to do that because they really do not they don't want to really know want to hear from the global community. They want to okay. cherry pick uh, their own people who are already saying the message that they want to hear. Uh, but let's talk about the delegates. This is my final question of the show. We're running out of time. So in under two minutes, can you please tell me, do you really think the delegates to the WHO are good people? Are they neutral people? Are they biased? Are they kind of like the World Economic Forum young leaders who have all these incentives to follow an agenda? Or do we have a real impact and influence on these delegates? Um, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, and I, I trust people until they prove themselves to be untrustworthy. Okay, and so um, getting into you know the psychology of who the delegates are, the bigger issue is who are the delegates. Okay, because it, it is unknown. You didn't get to vote for them. They're not elected. Um, the WHO does not identify who the delegates are until after they have shown up at the assembly. And so you get to know who represented you after they represented you. Okay, that's how crazy and backwards this is. If you go to stopthewho.com, I have identified um some of the 50 members of the U.S. delegation, and we do have some contact information. You can reach out to them. I have sent email after email after email, and no one ever responds. And so the whole concept that they represent us, how can they possibly represent us if they don't listen to us, if we don't even know who they are and, and can't reach them? So. Yeah, but I think it is a good exercise sector. to reach out to them. Uh, they should have their inbox full uh, from their so-called constituents and so that uh, everyone can go to your website and, and can participate that way. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but go to StopTheWho.com, go to ScrewTheWho.com, submit your video. Thank you, James, for what you do. And thank you for watching AmericanMediaPeriscope.com. We are America's patriot-only network. And get my breaking news updates at SeanMorganReport.com. Follow me on Truth Social at Sean Morgan Report. I'm going to leave you with a moment of levity for all this heavy news. Check this out. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you have a laugh. God bless all you patriots. Good night and good luck. Oh. Honey, someone's coming to the house. Someone's coming to the house. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I'm going to call the pops. I'm going to call the pops. Uh, we're recording you. No, 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 no. It's okay. I, I, I'm just your neighbor. Coming by to say howdy. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, we're not used to people stopping by to say howdy without assaulting us first, robbing us, or defecating on our lawn. Sometimes all. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. 
they're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance, and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference on all your devices. We'd love to have you on board.